0: Hello and welcome to Baseball Bite for people who'd rather be listening to the game than to a podcast about it. It's a quick look at some of the stories from around the game over the weekend. As always, that pitch clock is running, plenty to get through. Let's play ball. As every tuppany baseball philosopher will tell you, all good things and bad must come to an end. Not to mention that a journey of a thousand hits starts with one at bat. And so it was over the weekend when we saw milestones marking the end for some and beginnings for others. Now on Sunday when we were told it was going to be a bullpen day in Seattle against Cleveland's Shane Bieber, Mariners fans could have been forgiven for perhaps filing the game under, oh, even with those high hopes that had been placed on top prospect Jared Kelnick's hefty shoulders. Who, by the way, on Friday set off on his major league journey, with his first ever career hit being a home run for good measure, followed by two doubles, two runs scored, and three RBI, in case anyone had not noticed his arrival to the show. Either way, any low expectations about Sunday's pitching matchup were misplaced, what was Seattle managing to befuddle the Indians' ace in the eventual 3-2 win and snapping his streak of 20 consecutive starts with at least eight punch-outs. In the end, with seven Ks and a career-high tying four walks issued, Mr. Bieber only managed to last four and two-thirds innings, which meant another streak was broken. It was the first time since June 2019, that's after 40 straight starts, that he did not pitch five or more innings. Alas, any momentum that Seattle might have felt after that high was lost again by the time the Tigers came to T-Mobile yesterday Monday. And more to the point, one of baseball's best pitching prospects, right-hander Casey Mize, who, following on from last Wednesday's very solid win against the Royals, enjoyed arguably his strongest outing that we've seen so far. It was the deepest he'd ever gone, with a shutout going into the 8th, and with only one run allowed on three hits and three walks, although he struck out another two batters, he was, much to his very obvious dissatisfaction, pulled by manager A.J. Hinch rather than face a certain Jared Kelnick again. But all was well that ended well for Detroit, with the bullpen ensuring that Mr. Myers gained his third win with a 3-1 victory. And another pitcher who made his mark yesterday, at least in the record books, was Yankees Garrett Cole during yesterday's game against Texas, whereby he reached 61 strikeouts without issuing one walk, the longest stretch of any type of pitcher since the mound was moved to its current distance in 1893, a record that Milwaukee's Corbin Burns only managed to hold on to for less than a week since reaching the 58Ks tally last Thursday. That was not the only personal milestone for Mr. Cole yesterday, though, the other being somewhat more unfortunate, and it was one of the roughest outings we'd seen from him, in which his five earned runs ended a streak of 12 straight starts, with two earned runs or fewer. A welcome development, though, for Texas, which, after suffering a six-game winless slump on the road, were very happy to start their seven-game homestand with a 5-2 win. I spoke in the last episode about the various shapes and sizes that baseball heroes come in. But as a recent Fangraphs podcast discussed, a strong contender for the face of baseball is surely Angel Shohei Otani. As Red Sox closer Matt Barnes remarked after the game on Sunday, I personally think he's the most physically gifted baseball player that we have ever seen. And he should know, as it was on his fastball that Ortani Sana jumped in the final out of the ninth for a go-ahead two-run homer, which ensured not only the comeback 6-5 win, but avoided the fifth consecutive loss for the Angels. He told reporters afterwards that it was the biggest home run of his career, and it will certainly be up there as an iconic moment in the history of this extraordinary player. Although it's getting a little hard to know which to choose, considering Friday's absolute blast of a Fenway's green monster, or Danny Sand's first ever home run in Boston, and then yesterday's astounding moment against Cleveland, in which, with his 13th home run, he, as of today, leads the majors. And combine that with an opponent batting average of 126, the lowest in baseball, then as MLB Sarah Langs puts it, we are truly lucky to be watching this. Or as teammate Patrick Sandoval remarked, I don't think people can grasp how insane what he's doing is it's unbelievable and in case anyone is in danger of forgetting that the plan remains for Austin San after being in the lineup tonight to climb onto the mound for tomorrow Wednesday's matchup against Cleveland's Aaron Savalli. Well, it certainly wasn't really clear last week where Albert Pujols might end up going to after being released by the Angels. And although some commentators dared to dream about reunions with St. Louis or Tony La Russa's White Sox, all of that was pretty much dismissed by the harsh realities of the struggles to find a fit, particularly in any National League team where opportunities would be arguably even more limited without the obvious DH spot. So eyebrows were raised when it was first revealed over the weekend that the Dodgers had signed him for the rest of the season, especially in light of the much-reported original grievances with the Angels concerning their proposed reduction in his playing time and Joe Madden's comment that Mr Pujols had said he did not want to be a bench player of any kind. Something which he at yesterday's Dodgers press conference denied ever saying, insisting that he'd never made it a condition that he should play every day, and that he was happy to be put in whatever role LA had for him, as he believes that he still has some gasoline left in the tank. Granted, that tank, however much is in it, comes at very little financial cost to LA, which only has to pay the prorated minimum, with the Angels picking up the rest of the $30 million salary tap and there has been much talk of what he could potentially bring, for example, in pinch-hitting situations to a lineup against left-handed relievers. As the old Tom Stoppard line goes, every exit is an entrance somewhere else, and Mr Pujols is entering a clubhouse which has been hit hard of late by injuries, and that much-sighted depth has been solid-tested. None more so than with the devastating development on Saturday with shortstop Corey Seager's broken wrist after being drilled during the game against the Marlins. And although the latest news is that fortunately he will not require surgery, he is sure to be out of action for at least a month. And so with that comes all the moving of the bench pieces, which again adds some context to the thinking behind the signing of Alba Pujols. With Gavin Lux taking over at shortstop and Max Muncy moved over to second, as we saw in last night's game against Arizona, there is clearly a role there for Mr Pujols, something that he was keen to prove yesterday in his first outing in blue, where he did his bit against the Diamondbacks in which he batted cleanup, went one for four, singling home Mookie Betts to give Los Angeles the crucial 2-0 lead in the third on the way to the eventual 3-1 win. The last Dodgers player aged 41 or older to have a hit and an RBI in a game being Brad Osmus back in 2010, who of course went on to be, ironically, Mr Pujols' former Angels manager before Joe Madden. Time will of course tell whether this is going to be an arrangement that works well for all concerned, but perhaps Albert Pujols will be wise to remember, especially if harbouring any ill feelings towards his old team, that the best revenge in life is always success. Where to start, especially when it comes to listing the plague of injuries that has befallen baseball this year. And of course, it's not only the Dodgers that have been stricken of late, with depleted rotations and crumbling benches. The Mets have already suffered a staggering amount of players on the IL. But even that did not prepare anyone for the shock of yesterday's awful incident, in which New York's Kevin Pallar was smashed in the face by a 94-mile-per-hour fastball from Atlanta's Jacob Webb an appalling accident which although could have been a lot worse means the outfielder has been diagnosed with multiple nasal fractures and while waiting specialist opinion the timeline is unclear but the fear is yet another addition to an already bustling il although some teams in spite of such challenges to the roster seem to have been able to muster for battle if not prosper the classic example being the white Sox, which are continuing to dominate even after player after player is lost to injury the latest being first baseman Jose Abreu, who, due to ankle inflammation, now has to miss the whole of the Twins series, an injury that some in Kansas City may see as poetic justice, as it was caused by a controversial game-ending slide into home plate on Sunday, which, in spite of a very angry challenge by the Royals manager Mike Matheny, and thus a subsequent video review, was judged to be safe, and with that, the 4-3 walk-off win for Chicago. And the rights or wrongs of that replay decision notwithstanding, the White Sox travelled to Target Field yesterday, where they brought absolute carnage to Minnesota, with a season-high 16 runs and 18 hits for their 16-4 blowout win over the Twins. The contrast between the two two teams being more stark than ever, what with Chicago's record meaning the biggest lead of any division's top team, and Minnesota going from starting the season for many as a favourite to win the division, to its now parlour state at the very bottom, 11 and a half games behind. Meanwhile the Padres who in spite of having their own problems thanks to COVID and missing the likes of Fernando Tatis Jr Will Myers and Eric Hosmer from the lineup managed to sweep St. Louis over the weekend with the help of what MLB's A.J. Cassaville calls a mix of bench pieces, journeyman call-ups and Rockies. And then yesterday they welcomed into their Petco lair the visiting Rockies to be crushed in a 7-0 defeat with Hugh Darvish striking out 10 and the terrible trio of Manny Machado, Trent Grisham and Jake Cronenworth carrying the offence through to San Diego's fourth consecutive win. No such luck for the Phillies, which saw tension arising from Sunday's messy 10-8 loss to the Blue Jays, spill over into the dugout, where in front of TV cameras, shortstop Gene Segura was seen to be having a very lively discussion with manager Joe Girardi, leading to peacemakers in the shape of third-base coach Dusty Wathan and catcher JT Real Muto having to step in to break up the confrontation. Those frustrations stemming, we gather, from Sunday's very obvious defensive struggles, and yet again, a team that is totally swamped by injuries. It was a game that was without one single fully healthy bench player. So perhaps the anger is understandable. Although, as Mariners fans noted on social media, recording Mr. Segura's rumbustious time in Seattle, he was rather notorious as someone who could start a fight in an empty clubhouse. There's that too. And someone who knows a lot about bad tempers' moments in the dugout is Braves pitcher Huasca Ynoa, who, after making the news recently for his hitting abilities, has smashed something a lot less fortunate, namely his right hand, which he broke when he punched the dugout bench following his poor start in Sunday's 10-9 loss to Milwaukee. And he is expected to be out of action for a couple of months. No doubt Atlanta hopes he will use that time wisely for not only rehabilitation, but also anger management. <laughs> Ah, that joyous sound of the Mariners' home run porn can only mean one thing. It's time for me to trot around the base and get myself home. But until next time, my friends, never forget that sometimes in life, a quick bite is all that you need. Make sure that you subscribe, follow at Baseball Bite. But until next time, happy baseball.